we have a special announcement. Scott's book is actually up for pre-order right now. Book number two, Champions Playbook 2. You guys will learn a lot more about it in the coming episodes, but it's the GoFundMe link is on his Instagram. That's S Golf. Go over there and check it out. I don't know if you guys are familiar with GoFundMe or not, but if you pre-order the book off of GoFundMe, there's a lot of uh, freebies that are attached to it, as well as some things that Scott has let me in on uh, that you guys will be able to get access to if you pre-order the book. It's $14.99. It's the best $14.99 you'll ever spend, and we'll be getting updates out here shortly about where and when uh, you'll be able to get your copy. So uh, stay tuned for that, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Peace. There's no rules! Shoot a lower score! There's one rule! Welcome back to the back porch of Franklin Bridge. Man, we turned that one around quick. We haven't done music tonight, which it feels like a little bit eerie and quiet that we haven't had music, but it's raining a little bit. You can hear the drips on the back of the patio. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Finally turned on your mic. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, it's been a great night so far. We just finished up with Taylor. You guys loved him when he was on the podcast last winter. Hopefully, he'll be joining us a, a few times this winter because everybody, it, it was crazy how many people were like, yo, we love Taylor on the podcast. I guess they're just getting tired of listening to you and me speak. Uh, but no, Taylor. Taylor's a great add to the podcast, and hopefully, he'll be on this, uh, this winter too because um, the podcast actually picks up during the winter. Just because uh, everybody is not playing and they're all listening, which is super cool. And they've got sh- we've got shorter days, so they can kind of come out here and hang out. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I mean that's it's a lot of fun. It's good. Well, okay, so I I have a lot to say during this podcast. Um, we were we were <laughs> we were texting a few days ago and uh, just talking about like how I got to meet you. And how I've gotten to do a lot of the cool things in my life. Um, and this is a this is like a, a lesson and like a theory that I really hold near and dear to my heart. And we're going to title this podcast, Getting Into the Room. Yeah. And, um, you know, before we go into this, I, I think um, I, I want to tell people like you aren't stuck where you are. That's a mindset issue. Like, you're only stuck if you think you're stuck. There's something in psychology called learned helplessness, and it's a really difficult spot to get out of. It's learned helplessness is um, is essentially exactly what it sounds like. You, like, you've learned to see a lot of your situations as helpless. Uh, I can't get out. Like, I just played terrible. I hit it bad. You know, uh, you know, I didn't know what was happening today. It's like you can get control whenever you want it, and. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how to do that, uh, but really a big focus on the um, the environment, uh, which is going to be a, a big thing. And uh, I had the privilege of being around some people and, um, you know, it's, I can't teach as good as I do without what I learned where I was from Hank and from some of the other teachers I got to spend time around, Sue I and... Uh, Mark Blackburn, uh, who's one of the top teachers in the <coughs> in the world right now, um, and I didn't get to spend a lot of time with Mark, but just by being around some other people like that who are excelling at what they do, um, being a member of the Golf Channel Academy instructors, like getting to have some additional resources, like you can get there. Um, 
This is a, this is a shout out to kind of we haven't done this one in a while. Gary V. Oh, haven't done that Bring in a long that, time, dude. dude. That was like a thing last fall. Like Gary V. Gary V. Gary V. Um, but like his point is like if you're if you have something you're interested in, like or you have a product or you have a service or you want to get a job, like reach out to a bunch of influencers in that area. And I remember him sharing one. I think it was a hundred or two hundred. It was like somebody will message me and go, "Well, Gary, I, I just you know I've gone through all of them." He's like, well, "How many have you done?" He's like, "A hundred. He's like, "There's like a th- there's like ten thousand. What are you, what are you stopping at a hundred for? Like you haven't done enough." And so you know it's really neat to see um, getting in the room. Um, and what does that mean? So like, let's go ahead and dive into that. I'm actually going to ask Jack some questions here. I'm taking control of this podcast. Like I'm the guy controlling the controls, but like yeah. I, I love, cause Jack came up with the term getting in the room, um, a couple weeks ago. And so we're going off script from what I had planned for October. We're going to completely change October, but like, what does that mean to get in the room or, or to be in the room? So like, what is the room? <laughs> what rumor we got to get in? I'll I'll tell a quick story. Um, I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast or not, but it really kind of formulated like my brain into like you can do hard things type situation. Um, my stepdad came to me when I was 15 years old, and he told me he goes, Jack, like if you had to work for anybody in the world this summer, who would you work for? And I'm 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 a big country music fan, and so I go uh, Bobby Bones. I, I'd I'd want to work for Bobby Bones if I could work for anybody in the world. Um, for anybody who doesn't know Bobby Bones, he's the, the largest, most syndicated country music DJ in the world right now. Um, he wasn't at when I was working for him, but he is now. He's been on Dancing with the Stars. He uh, co-hosts on American Idol. Like He's a, he's a big deal. He's got his own show on the uh, National Geographic. Um, and so he, he, my, my stepdad told me, Jack, you know, um, who do you want to work for? And I said, Bobby Bones. He goes, all right, let's go. And I was like, what do you mean, let's go? <laughs> and he's like, let, like, you know, look up the address of the studio and, you know, let's go. And so he, he's out of Music Row. We drive down there. I drop off whatever kind of resume I had at the time. And um, the producer calls me back and she's like, hey, you know, like, would you like to have, a, you know, would you like to interview for this internship position um, at Bobby Bones? And I was like, well, sure. And I went in, interviewed they took me in. They said, yes, we want to have you as an intern. And I was a 15-year-old interning with a bunch of 23, 24, 25-year-olds on, on Music Row in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And, and that just really proved to me that, like, okay, all you have to do is ask, and the worst they can say is no. And so just getting <laughs> in the room or attempting to get in the room is really what's going to set you apart from your counterparts because if you just go out and look for the opportunities, more than likely, it doesn't matter if you're going to get a bunch of no's, you'll get a yes. It just depends on when. Yeah. And that, uh, if you want to tell the story about how we kind of started to become friends and how oh, that's yeah. another uh, another example yeah. of just kind of getting in the room. Well, you know, Jack came for a free eval and then was ready to buy a package of lessons. Which, like, right out of college, like, that's a big expense. Uh, like, obviously that showed from his end that he was willing to spend some serious dough to get better. And I was kind of asking what he does and whatever. And I was like, oh, you do some podcasting. That's kind of cool. I don't have any, I don't have a co-host right now. And are you willing to do some of that? I didn't and, know you did a podcast. Right. And so, 
I was like, oh, we'll try it out. Um, and so it worked out. We had, we had John Waltz on uh, for a couple of co-hosts as well. Uh, I love shouting out John's podcast because I think what he does is really special. Uh, so if you haven't gone over to listen to that, it's called, could you change? Yeah. Discovering masculinity. And he's got some awesome guest speakers. So talking about getting in the room, John took it up another notch and started reaching out to people that are experts in that field, uh, of, you know, whether it be psychology or faith or what have you, golf or golf. yeah. Yeah. He's brought, he's brought on. Uh, men and women uh, onto his podcast to really talk about uh, uh, that. And he's a great example of like getting in the room. And you, you don't get that opportunity by not asking. You, right. You got to ask. Right. And it's like the, the first thing they, they teach you when, you know, you go into sales is you have to ask for the sale. You have mm. to ask for the money. You have to ask for their partnership. Like you, you don't get anywhere without asking. And a lot of people, I think yeah. this is where a lot of people go wrong. They're afraid of like offending people or getting turned down and looking silly in front of people. If you well, can, I don't want them to feel upset that I'm selling to them. Like I'm trying to yeah. sell all of you my book right now because I think it's awesome yep. and it's proven to be awesome and I want you to go buy it. Which by the way, if you haven't, go to at Golf on Instagram and there's a GoFundMe link that should be in your bio. It is. It, and, it'll stay there. And uh, it'll stay there. So anyway... Going back to getting in the room, you have to ask always. Yeah. And so I guess going back to our story, it just kind of worked out that I did podcasting. And then, you know, you at the end of the day, you were just like, hey, like, why don't you throw away that, you know, that, that, that package. package and, you know, why don't you just produce podcasts for me and I'll give you lessons. And it was just like, yeah, sure. And uh, it, it's kind of funny looking back on this a year later, I um, I just got my, my handicap index and it's a 6.2 in um, like 15 months and I wouldn't have been able to do that without not only getting the lessons from you <laughs> but also just being able to be on this podcast and think my way around the game as well which we had some texts the other day just talking about how I think that I would be far worse if I didn't do this podcast just because I can now think or think my way around the golf course right. where a bunch of people are just like, let's put it over there, you know, and not, not necessarily it's, think strategically. Uh, you're seeing it like for those that are here, like I'm shaking my head because like, <laughs> I honestly don't know if I started where Jack was that I would be where he is, even with great instruction. Like that's a massive leap from not having played the game other than a couple of times hitting some balls at a driving range or a top golf which doesn't count like there're probably two people who don't play golf that have been to more top golfs than you had and so like it can be frustrating if you're somebody who is like I've been working to be breaking a 10 handicap my entire life and I still haven't done it it's like yeah I understand your frustration but there's there's levels to this you're right and Everybody starts at a different point, but there's also something about, and this is, I think, one of the reasons why I really like having you on the podcast as a co-host is like, you have a certain mindset that like I've learned from and like by being in the room with your mindset, having played, like I didn't play division one sports, like you getting to play at Tennessee, even as a, even as a walk on, like you've been in an environment that I was exposed to in my instruction, but not necessarily exposed to in terms of like my own experience. So like there's just another tier there and 
a certain mindset that comes along with that that I, I quite frankly didn't have all through college and even most of the first part of my professional career. And so it's, I think it's good for people to hear that. I know it's been beneficial to me, beneficial to a bunch of people on the podcast. And like, and for those of you, you know, there's a little bit of like, you know, you little turd, like, what are you, <laughs> what are you going shooting, breaking 80 before everybody else does being a six handicap? You know, like there's a little bit of that. Like really, bro? Come on, man. But no, we're happy for you. But like, if, if you feel that like, if anything, I was mad that I didn't break 80 within a year. Right. That was my goal. I was like, I have to break 80 within a year. Because you were like, you'd be my fastest student to do it. If it you was did almost that. a challenge to yeah. you. And, um, but like, if you feel that frustration, go play with Jack. Seriously. Uh, the underscore Jaybeard on, on Instagram. Like, hit him up. Go play with him. Like, he wants to play with better players. Um, and if you're working really hard, I kind of qualify you as a better player. If you're working really hard to get better, it's just like he intentionally would put himself around better players as often as he could. And there's something refreshing about being in that mindset and that culture that we're developing. I'm doing that with my juniors right now. You know, uh, several of them are super amazed by this one kid in the area. And I'm like, y'all, there's nothing special about this one kid in middle school right now. Like, it's awesome. Like, he's playing great. He won the state championship here in Tennessee. Congrats to him. Props to him. Got started early, you know. But I said, guys, do you know what my teaching record is? Do you know who I learned from? You know who taught me to do what I know I can do? Like, I have 12 state titles under my belt as juniors. I have uh, multiple All-Americans, uh, a uh, national championship, my juniors have combined for over 200 junior tour wins. Like, he may be there, but let's go get him. And then when you go start playing around him, you're going to make him better by you being better, and he's going to make you better by him being better. Like, it's, it's this wonderful cycle when you get in the right environment, in the right room, which is what CTC 1.0 did. I know we got some CTCers in the crowd tonight. So, But here's you know. the other thing that I really want to hammer home is that it doesn't matter if you go to Scott. It doesn't matter if you go to Scott. It doesn't matter if you go to Butch Harmon. You have to be willing to put in the work, and you have to be willing to get embarrassed a few times. You have to be willing to put your ego on the line in order to really be the person that you want to be. And that's just in any phase of life, but specifically in golf. Like I was, I learned recently that you have to play with players that are just as good as you or better than you in order for you to get better. Right. Because you're, if, if you have to put yourself in that environment, but just like I was talking about, like when I got introduced to you, like I was like, Hey, why don't we do this together? Like, why don't we, why don't we try out a podcast together? Like, let's do it. You know? And I was really lucky to have one of my friends who's actually uh, playing baseball at Belmont right now, Logan Jarvis. Um, he was like, he still in to this day like one of my best friends in the entire world and we went to high school together and we pushed each other every single day in the weight room we we did extra stuff after all the lights were out and everybody else had gone home we were the last to leave the field like you have to be willing and to to have somebody or just to do it yourself because nobody else is going to do it for you no and it just it, it shows itself over time 
and how good you can get in a short amount of time if you put yourself in the right environment and get yourself in the door. Yeah, and um, I'll say that, so. This is going to be kind of a weird uh, go around to this same topic, but the idea of getting in the room, as much as you got to get in the room, if you're in that room, don't get yourself kicked out of the room because the room will kick you out, right? So we've seen uh, around here, it's we keep talking about it behind the scenes, but there's there's an injured goose, and in the animal kingdom, for the most part, when you're injured, you're left, you're, you're put aside and pushed aside. And guess what? That happens in humans too. If you don't fit, you're out. Like, it's no different than fraternities and sororities. It's like, yeah, you don't fit here. We're, we're not going to ask you to join. Like, but, but also too, it's like, let's just take me and Logan, for example. If me and Logan, we were like, hey, Scott, you want to come work out with us? And then you work out with us and we realize like, oh, he's not putting in the same amount of effort that we are. Like, we're not going to ask you to work out again. And it's not because we don't like you or it's personal. It's just because we know we can get a better workout in when you're not here. And, and it may so not like, even it may not even come up. It just may happen that way. Yeah, it's, it's nothing, not even intentional. It's nothing personal. It's just like right. we want people who are just as good, if not better than us to to join the, you know, the little fraternity that we have yeah. here. Well, I've had some people challenge me from CTC 1.0 has been really good for me. Cracking the code for those that are just starting to tune in was a winter program that I ran uh, last year, which was like super dedicated and focused on making permanent change. And like that group pushed on me of like, Scott, who you let continue to stay here and who you continue to, if you let people continue to be worse versions of themselves, then that's what you're going to get. And like I had started to recognize it, but it was kind of a little... You know, I needed that nudge, that kick in the teeth. And luckily we had set up an environment that felt comfortable enough to kick me in the teeth. And they didn't kick me out of the room. In fact, they raised the level of the entire room altogether. And so you've heard the phrase, the rising tide floats all boats. Um, and when you go different places, I'm going to use Alabama football just because I was in, I was there for a long time and I respect Nick Saban. I'm not an Alabama fan if you're worried about that. I really don't care about college sports and sports in general and teams I just don't but when you look at what he does I've heard multiple stories from reliable accounts when you go to Alabama the University of Alabama as a recruit like suit and tie coat and tie everywhere you know handshakes jackets off yes sirs yes ma'ams like no sir no ma'am uh, like there's an art, there's a certain way that they carry themselves. It doesn't happen anywhere else in the country. Something that small, that minute is a huge impact. Um, I was talking to Ken Lee today about the masters. So it's like, wait, where are we going? It's kind of jumping around at the masters. You go there, like you're not going to find a cigarette butt on the ground. Nope. You're not going to find trash on the ground. And nope. it's not just because people are picking, like the people that are working there are picking it up. It's because people have come to like, this is the mecca of golf, and it's almost like stepping, uh, you know, into royalty. And people begin to treat it differently. Like you can go and sit your chair down on the 18th hole and sit there for a while, watch people play on 18. Get up out of your chair, leave. People will come and sit in your chair. You can leave your chair there. Nobody's gonna steal your chair. Like it, it just doesn't happen there. Like nobody's gonna steal your chair. They're not gonna steal your stuff. You can go watch other holes for two or three hours. Come back, somebody could be sitting in your chair, you ask them to get up, there's not going to be any fight. 
There's not going to be nothing. You don't even know this person from Adam. This wouldn't happen in a normal context anywhere else. And they'll just get up and leave. And they'll have no problem. They might sit in the chair next to you that opened up. There's a certain energy in places like that. They and another created place that. that kind of uh, that comes off the top of my head Amazing. for that is uh, that wouldn't happen at Phoenix Open. That's what <laughs> our boy John Walt said. Um, so I was going to bring a, bring up that um, you know another place like that that comes to mind is like Disneyland, Disney World, right? Any of the Disney parks, those guys and those like cat. I guess they call them. I think they call them cast members. They keep that place so pristine all the time that when you're there you, you you don't find a single piece of trash on the ground everybody treats you with respect and there's like there's a certain energy and that's what like walt disney wanted like this is where dreams are made kind of thing like you, yeah. you those places that you can be in where the energy is just like bigger than you and you can feel it when you walk in whether you've been there or not are really special and those groups that you get into that make you better like you talking about the ctc group me talking about my relationship with Logan um, or even like some, you know, some great teams that I've been on. There's just an understanding about everybody that is sometimes unspoken. And it, it, it usually starts spoken, but it gets to the point where the thing runs itself. And like nobody puts up with that on our college golf team. I, I had the privilege of uh, John Whithouse was our head coach and he had seven mental success files. Um, and one of them was don't be on time, be early. Um, and being early was five minutes early. And if you were five minutes early, you were actually late. You had to be there 10 minutes early. So, um, but as long as you were there and ready to go by the set time, you were good. So there was a moment, um, this happened the year before I got there. He shared this at a banquet, uh, that we had later in the year. There was a gentleman on the team. Uh, they were going to leave that morning at 4.30 a.m., I believe is the story. John will probably correct me because we're going to have him on the podcast soon. Sorry, sidebar. Um, ADD brain. Uh, but he, <coughs> he was sharing the story. 4.30, we're going to leave. Um, young man gets up late, shows up 4.35. Van's already gone to the tournament. three or four hours away. Uh, they drive there. Kid shows up. And uh, says, Coach, I'm really sorry I was late. I just, you know, no excuses. I was just late. I didn't get up in time. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm sorry. It won't happen again, whatever. Coach said, son, I think thanks for coming and taking on yourself to show up, drive your own car to get here. He said, uh, but I want you to go ahead and pack your stuff up, get back in the car, head home. I'll see you Monday morning in my office. We're going to play with four. So for for those that aren't familiar with how college golf is played, you have five players and you take four scores and that can be a huge game changer. Like if you have a guy has a rough day, you need that. You need somebody else to play. Well, you need that backup. And so coach took the risk of his own job, risked his entire team to say, this is the level that we require here. I'm not judging you. You just didn't follow through. I'll see you on Monday in my office at 8 a.m. Don't be late. Let's just say he wasn't late on Monday morning. But, like, they played with four. And they played the tournament with four. So guess what kind of responsibility that kid feels? Guess how that also makes the guys on the team like, hey, we got to pony up. It actually made, by towing the line on his rules that he had set, he set the tone for the next at least four years. A lot of those those um, those situations too, like you said, will set the tone. But 
they're really tough in the moment, right? Like, oh gosh, I've goodness. Like, mm. can you imagine if somebody just like did not play well that day, shot like a you know ninety something like that, and you're just like, well, okay, whatever. But like, your AD could get on you about it. Well, here's like, the other that's thing. That's the kind of thing that's coming behind it. I think if I was an AD though, and you're he, I was like, well, he was late. Like, that's just not the kind of standard that we want here. I think any any competent AD would be like, I respect that. <laughs> yeah, like, that's like, and I send, think, send that young man into my office because I'm also going to say something to him. And uh, any coach that, excuse me, any coach that, um, would be like, okay, like, sorry, you're late, but like, here, hop on the range, mm-hmm. and then they uh, like, go and have a bad day, let's say, and like yeah. everybody has a bad day. Like, to me, it speaks more from an AD's perspective the pa- the fact that like. This is the culture that's set in stone, right? And they don't care whether they play with four or with five guys. That to me speaks more from an AD's perspective rather than like taking five and being mediocre, because that means that you're putting in the effort day by day to be the best that you can be, and no excuses are taken. Well, it was. I'm going to share a moment from my elite juniors. Um, we had a class two weeks ago. Um, and we were doing short game out here on the tenth green. Happened to be late in the evening, so nobody was playing, which worked out great. Um, and I did this pitching game from around the green, and they were doing terrible. Like the dispersion pattern was awful. Like not even close. Like, hey, you guys, I invited you to my elite class. This isn't anywhere close to elite. And I pulled them aside. I said, "All right, this is our elite junior program. What kind of effort are we giving right now?" I didn't care about the performance. The performance was an indication of other things, and I could see it in how they were treating their practice. So what kind of effort are we given? And the first answer, I didn't even finish my sentence. And they're like, not elite. I said, all right, let's be intentional about what we're doing. If you want to get better, let's do that. Um, we need to maintain this kind of effort. If we don't maintain this kind of effort, you're out. We will kick you out of the room because it's in the best interest of the entire room and it's in your best interest for me to toe the line. Like you may get kicked out, but it actually grows you as a person to be able to perform at your best later down the road. And it's that same moment with the coach. And I've gotten better at this over time, learning how to be tougher. I've learned this from Stephanie, you know, over the phone long, you know, long distance. She's in the Northeast. Like (laughs) there's no, there's no holding back up there. Like, it's pretty rough. So, you know, being able to toe that line, but you got to get yourself in the room, get yourself around people that will make you better. Um, and that will challenge you. They aren't going to tell you you're great all the time. It doesn't mean they're going to, you know, them being tough on you doesn't mean they're judging you. It's like, yeah, you're, I told like, I've had this happen. So the group started doing this a little bit. We're on the golf course in my CTC group. And the rule of the day was like, you're going to hit a pitch and a putt, no practice shots. And somebody starts taking practice shots and the group starts calling them out. I didn't do anything. I just got to sit back. It's like, no, you don't get to hit another one. Only one. And they were a little more abrasive than I would be, but it was like, the group was like, no, we don't get better if you start practicing like that. And so it was really neat to see me begin to develop that culture and then the culture develop itself. And so really thankful for all those people in 1.0 because 2.0 is going up another notch, which I'm super stoked about. I want to ask you, Scott, as somebody who is a... um Let's just say a natural introvert. Mm. For me, it's easy to get in the door. I just have to 
put my nose to the grindstone and be like, I'm going to go ask. And that's not, that's not really hard for me and my personality type. But somebody who's a natural introvert, what is something that people who are listening to this can do in order to be like, okay, I'm going to take the initiative to go and ask X person to play or to be in X group or to be anything that has to do with getting in the door, like applying for a job, yada, yada. Uh, hide behind a microphone. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Uh, that's the easy answer. Um, boy, you're asking me a question that is hard for me. Um, cause you're right. It is easy. And this is, this is the challenge. Like my wife's a super extrovert too. And she'll bring it up. Like, just, just make the phone call. Just go up and say, I was like, you don't understand how hard that is for me. Like, that's like asking me to tell you, like, hey, just go sit in a room by yourself for three days. Don't talk to anybody. Don't get on Instagram. Don't get on social. Don't, don't do anything. Don't talk to anybody. Just be by yourself. What? No people? So, uh, so I've, I've done this, right? So, um, when I'm walking into a big room, I've, I've used body language. We've talked about that a lot. I've used body language as one of my easy ends. I'm six foot six. I'm going to be tall and take up space. When I shake people's hands, I'm going to look them in the eyes. And like I had to catch myself doing it. So one of my first ones that was easier for me to do was to actually look somebody in the eyes. Introverts tend to look away and tend to withdraw, especially when they don't know somebody. Like everything withdraws. It's not just your body. It's actually your eyes will withdraw in because you're like, I don't know you and I'm not comfortable looking at you in your eyes because I don't. I don't know what to do with that. You don't have a problem doing that. And so the, one of the first ones for me was look them in the eyes, remember their name. You don't have to remember all of them. At least remember one person's name in a big room. So. And the tricky thing, a lot of people are horrible with names. What I'll do is I'll be like, like if I meet you and I'm like, oh, Scott, nice to meet you. I'm Jack. I'm horrible with names. And so I'll be like, Scott, Scott. I'll be like, okay, I like the show The Office. Michael Scott. Michael Scott. Okay. And then I know like... Give yourself, right. give yourself a, like a way to remember their name. The, the other one that I started doing on the backside of that was if I forgot somebody's name, just tell them you forgot. Like there's, that's actually incredibly humbling to yourself and actually realize like, because what usually comes behind that is like, dude, I, I forget names all the time. I'm like, I wish I had You're the like, Me too, man. Like, <laughs> hey, Jack. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was one of the things that really frustrated me with... Um, being in Birmingham for a while is there are people I had never met before. And instead of, it's just kind of a common courtesy there, but it's also a defense mechanism. They say, nice to see you. You've never met me before. Say nice to meet me. Like I don't, don't, don't pretend like maybe we've met somewhere that only makes me want to do that more is retreat. And so, you know, I don't, for somebody who's an extrovert, it's probably a, it's a non-starter, but for me, that's a big deal. Like, now I feel more insecure about the fact that I don't know you. Maybe I did meet you some other time. I've been here for five years. Maybe I did meet you somewhere else. Like, now I'm, now I'm like trying to search and uncomfortable. So, um, but yeah, make eye contact is the first one. I've had to learn to do that in the podcast too. <laughs> um, but making eye contact is the first one. Um, you know, with social nowadays, it's a lot easier. You know, like you could reach influencers by sending a message. Um, one of the things I did for my book when people first started following my account on social, 
I started sending a follow-up. Say, hey, thanks for following my account. I hope this can be really valuable to you. If I can ever do anything for you, blah. And that's copy and paste. And so, like, just change the first name. <laughs> just make sure you introduce them by name. Um, one that... I'm also going to give another tip about names because I, I want to make this simple. Like, it's easy to, like, try and give a bunch of tips. But it's all about remembering the name. That gives you so much comfort because chances are most people are going to forget your name. But if you remember theirs, it actually puts you in a confident position. It gives you... Uh, this might be a little bit... Um, I don't want to say manipulative, but it also gives you leverage too. If we're talking right. about like, if I, if I remember your name, but you don't remember mine, naturally that gives me more leverage and me the power position in Agreed. the conversation. Agreed. It, whether, whether I'm year zero and you're year 10, that naturally gives me a little bit more another, uh, because I, I, a little bit more leverage because I know your name and you don't know mine. Yeah. And, so there's there's two more ways to remember names. Obviously, I like Jack's like the simple one, like coordinate something. I was talking with a guy here, Bill. Um, he's like, you know how I remember all those people's names? He says, it's, people are amazed I can remember all that stuff about them. He said, when I get to know them, I put their name, I ask for their number, I put their name in my phone and their number, and then in the notes section in the phone, I put down something I learned about them, like oh, uh, interesting. Daniel, Mom, Sarah, uh, three boys uh, drives this kind of car. Like, it's just, it's a way for you to remember. And like, if you forget, you just happen to know like, okay, I can pull, okay, I know something, something. Now I can search in my phone, like uh, drives X car. So you can search that car in your phone and pull them up and go, oh, that's who that is. Okay, so now I can remember from across the room. Yep. Like, that's so, that's so simple and so easy to do with modern technology. There's a, um, I, I'm going to be paraphrasing the psychology as well, but when you are, let's say like you walk into the movie theater and you're like, I don't know if I've locked my car or not because like that, that motion of lock, pressing the lock key, the, the, the lock button on your key is so natural. A lot of the times what I'll do is I'll be like, it's, it looks so dumb when you look at me, but I'll be like, I'll hold up my key and I'll be like, Jack, you are locking your car and I click lock I hear the horn go off and then I know because then if I go back and I'm like, did, do I remember like, did I remember to lock my car? I can recall that memory. But sometimes the things that you do, so it's, sub it's out of the ordinary, right? You did you, something that was, if you do stuff that's so life. subconscious, it's going to literally be subconscious and you're not going to remember if you can do it or not. And that's why I love the name game when I'm studying names. Yep. I'll be like, Scott, Michael Scott, or like you, you, I literally did it when you said Bill and I just remembered Bill Parcells, coach of the Cowboys. Right. Uh, and I was like, okay, Bill, like I, I just know that. And, and a lot of times when I'm golfing too, I'll write their name down on my scorecard. As and well. now that we talked about on the podcast, when I introduce you to this guy, Bill soon, you're going to go, Oh, that's what we were talking about. So now you have a deeper exactly. recollection. The other one that I really liked, and this one's even simpler than both of these is Rebecca and I were at Jay Alexander's, uh, on a date night one night. And like we had put our name in and even though we had a reserve time. It was still going to be delayed. And so, but there were two spots open at the bar. So we went and sat at the bar and had dinner at the bar and the bartender and that bar is full. It's got 25 people at it. It's him and one other person. So they got to navigate a bunch of people who are in and out much more quickly. And he came over, you know, nice to meet you both. What can I get you to drink? Um, and when he brought the drinks, he asked, so what are your names? 
Like, he just asked point blank. Scott and Rebecca, he said, Scott and Rebecca, nice to meet you. Scott, anything else I can get for you? Rebecca, can I get anything else for you? It's almost obsessive. Like, he kept saying our name. And mm-hmm. then when he came back, he yeah. said, uh, uh, Rebecca, are you ready to order? Like, he kept saying our name. He Keep said, on saying you're it, welcome, yeah. Rebecca. You know, thank you, Rebecca. He said, my, my family tells me I'd probably do it too much. But I said, I'm going to use it. Like, I stopped him afterward, like, before we left. I said, I don't remember his name. <laughs> Dang it. I don't you remember, don't remember his, his name. Shoot. Uh, anywho, awesome dude. Go to Jay Alexander's. You'll know who it is. Um, just ask for the bartender that says your name a whole lot, and they'll figure out who that is. But anyway, I told him, I said, you know, I'm going to remember that. I'm going to use that. And so I've gotten better at using that and just telling people I don't remember. So for my, all my introverts, long answer to that question, but is do something that you can do that's small. Really long right answer. Is like, <laughs> just remember your remember their name. But that gets you in the room. Mm-hmm. As an introvert, it's hard to get in the room because all these extroverts are taking up all this space. It just and go. Like, the only thing. Uh, I don't know. The other thing that I would say is just go with the flow too. Like a lot of these people, like let's say, um, I don't know. Let's say you find need, your entry point in the conversation. That's hard. So I was at this um, a couple a month ago. I was at this cigar lounge, um, celebrating a little something for myself and. Um, ran into this guy and, and it can be just something that's super mundane. Like, um, and I'll remember this all always. He, uh, he has, his beer is on the table, but he's not there and he comes back to get his beer and I'm sitting there because every other seat in the lounge is full and I'm sitting there at the table and he goes, uh, you know, well, I guess if you were going to be sharing a beer together, I need to know your name. And he like, (laughs) And I was like, okay, hey, man, my name's Jack. And we sat there and we had... And at that point, I'm the introvert in the conversation. And he he really took control of the conversation. And we sat, that, we sat there for an hour and a half talking about everything. And you don't realize how much until you invest in the conversation that it really is a small world. And we had like three overlapping points in our in our lives where we like had conversation points and so just go with the flow start talking to people whether it's un- whether it's uncomfortable or comfortable for you and just yeah go with the flow and we uh we ended up realizing uh well we realized that we knew each other from from somebody but mm-hmm. this came up with one of my friends last weekend you're only six people away from knowing anybody in the world so for example let's say steven tyler like the the world famous musician right yep you know me i know bobby bones Bobby Bones knows Steve, uh, Ryan Seacrest from American Idol, and Ryan Seacrest knows Steven Tyler because he was a guest on because he was a, a host on American Idol. You're only six people away from knowing anybody in the world, so right. getting to know right. people is really valuable for you and your future, no matter what you're doing. Uh, I'll add this to getting in the room. Um, we all have an extroverted friend. Like if you're going somewhere with them. Like, hey, we're all going out. Say, hey, man, I'm really uncomfortable going to this setting. Can you help introduce me to some people? Most extroverts will be like, my introverted friend is asking for my help to be a social. Yes, I'm going to yes. introduce him to everybody. You yeah. know, like, and so, again, it's utilizing your resources. Getting in the room is all about asking. And it's the old classic. I hate cliches just because they're cliches. I like being different. Uh, so... And a lot of introverts do like being different, but like it isolates us too. Uh, but it's like, I hate the cliche, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yep. But it yeah. does. Squeaky like, wheel gets the oil, baby. Well, and, and to bring back John's point about his podcast, like what I saw John doing his podcast, because it's something that's relevant off the top of my head. 
as somebody who's also an introvert in a lot of ways, like he got out of his comfort zone and got in a different room. And those people know other people like, oh, you talked to so-and-so like you had so-and-so on your podcast. Cool. I now know blank. And so it's, it's amazing when you get in the room, what it does for you. And if you're getting kicked out of the room, you're the wounded duck. Like, or, and, and ask, or, ask, or, 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 or don't think that there's something wrong yeah, yeah. with you. It just might not be the environment that you're for supposed you. to be in. You'll right. find the one that right. you're going to be in. There's a bunch of different ones. So, But go get in the room of people that uh, are successful at what they do. And that's I'm not just talking like everybody wants to use like business or a career or a sport. Like it could mean people that have a really good marriage or people that are uh, really good at learning a skill. Like you want to be really good at singing, find people that are really good at singing. Mm-hmm. You know, like... Yep. Um, so it goes back to my stepdad saying, Jack, what would you want to do this, this summer if you could do anything in the world? And I was like, all right, I, I told him and we, we went and did it. Yep. It's just like, you gotta, you have to ask. You always have to ask and don't be afraid of hearing no. Cause if they say no, chances are they're not even going to be in your life. Like they're not right. even going to be in your, in your life in the, in the near right. future. And so if, if you just keep on asking, keep on asking, keep on asking, I, my my girlfriend always says this. She's like, you know, what if they say, you know, no, or what if they say this? I'll be like, well, that's me. You're, you're that's probably, me, by the way, you're probably, <laughs> you're probably never going <laughs> to see him again. So what's the harm? I'm not Jack's girlfriend, but that's my, that's my, <laughs> that's my read on the world. No, you're you're right. Like, oh, what if I get a no? Well, then it's they like, weren't well, you're supposed probably to be never going to see anyway. him again. Like, right, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. And if you do, like, that means that they care enough about you to still be in your world. And then the next time you ask, maybe they'll say yes. Well, the reason I got, so this is, so I got in touch with Stephanie by, I reached out to every single section office, uh, and in the PGA of America about my first book, I got a lot of no's. I got a couple of maybes and I got two yeses. One of them didn't happen because of COVID last year. It was already on the books. The other one did happen, got hit before COVID, landed that, went up there. I just reached out. Like, that was uncomfortable for me, but I had email so I could hide behind. I'm a better writer than I am a speaker in person. And so by utilizing my skill of being a writer, I could write a good email, and then I could write a good follow-up to an email, even if it was a no. You know, hey, you said no. Is there anybody else you think might be interested in something like this? Bam, yep. I think it's super important, too, for people who, like, if you're young and you're listening to this podcast, or if you're old and you're listening to this podcast, I think doing any kind of job in sales is an incredible life experience, whether you love it or not. It's going to give you the opportunity to make friends. It's going to give you the opportunity to hear no a lot. And it's going to give you the opportunity to be like, okay, they said no, but... I know it's not because of what I'm doing. Let's go and find somebody who can say yes. And it's just going to get you used, used to hearing no and understanding that no is okay. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just means that the time and place just aren't right. And it's okay if there is something wrong with you. It's a chance for you to grow. Or it's, go it's to not, a different, right, or different, different room. people who yeah. might be more uh, <clears throat> more compatible with what you're looking for or what you're doing. Well, so. I think this is this is a... Before we finish off this podcast, we can't not mention the bridge as being a place that is in the room of like getting so (laughs) Hank got me in the room with Brooks but I I had to do the work in the job interview to get the job you know I I met him a couple of years ago just on a whim and got my name in the hat and so that helped 
but like Hank helped me get in the room. Hank grew my skills. Then I had to do the work to reach out uh, when a job was open. But this place is awesome. Um, I'm thankful for all the people that I have so far that have helped like raise the bar. Um, the CTC group helped me drive what I'm doing for my juniors, my elite group in particular. Um, and all the people that have been along the way to kind of help push me. So a big thanks there. And as a part of that, like John, thanks for, you know, what he does with his podcast and those that are out here on the back patio every week or even occasionally. Thank you for that. But also Jack, you've challenged me to promote myself more and that's really uncomfortable for me because I like, that's not what I, I want to help as many people as possible. And as you've stated, like, well, in order to do that, you have to tell people what you do. Like you have to tell them that you're good. You don't have to be a jerk about it, but like I have something special with this book and I stumbled into it and I had the help of you and, and Taylor to put the data in and uh, challenge me with some hard questions. But like, thanks for pushing me to get out of my comfort zone and promote what I do. Like, I think this is a really good, that's um, hard for me. One of the last things that I'll say too, is that it's really interesting because you hear a lot in the workplace now, like, Oh, we need like a, we need a very diverse worker or workforce. Right. And like a lot of the times, especially with like politics and media today, it's been like, well, we need different, you know, cultural backgrounds or different ethnicities or different whatevers. And then like, I think what they're really trying to get around, but they haven't necessarily found the wording to is you need, you need to be strong in areas where other people are weak. And that's where like, I think Scott, you and I's relationship has, has been so powerful is that like, I'm really strong in areas that you're weak in and you're really strong in areas that I'm weak in. And so like when we're talking about a diverse workplace or a diverse, uh, uh environment, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, the physical characteristics, but also the mental characteristics and the people and, 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 and you know, racist and ethnicity is, is a way to understand that people have different ways of coming at different problems and you know, that's what's covering the strong and weak points. But, um, you know, you, me and Erica going at a bunch of different things together. I wouldn't be able to do that all on my own. You wouldn't be able to do it all on your own and Erica wouldn't be able to do it all on her own. But the three of us as a team can really be strong in all the areas that we need to be strong in. And that's where getting in the room too is if you're, struggling to get in the gym you need that person who gets you in the gym right um you know i mean there's infinite so, other so speaking about that since times. all of you are my listeners i've had three weeks off i've struggled to get back in there i've had haven't been as tight on my diet to keep gaining the weight and the strength that i wanted to so here's a shout out if you see me ask me about it mm-hmm. shoot me a message like hey did you get in there i'm going five days a week monday through friday I'm not lifting every day. I do have some days that are just for stretching, but for me, it's the habit of getting in there and then check. I'm more important about you checking me on my diet, make sure I'm eating what I need to, to gain the weight and do it in a healthy way. So yeah, Bam. that was scary for me to put that out there. I was like, I have to, I have to do it. I'm, in, I'm in the room. You're in the room with me. I'm even if you you're, even if you're in Australia or New Zealand or Canada, wherever you're listening from Europe, get in the room, find a room to get in. Yep. I think that's a good place to end it, honestly. I think getting in the room is super powerful. Um, I think everybody needs to get in at least one room in their lives, and I think and, and it gets easier the more and more that you do it. So um, I think that's a great way to end it. This has been an extremely eye-opening podcast. Just 
to be able to put it into context and put it out there in the digital world. Um, it's been a, a lesson that's really taken me places and will continue to take me places. And as soon as you guys can adapt it in your own lives, I think it'll take you places as well. Don't be afraid of hearing no. That's all I'll say to end it. Every no is one step closer to another yes. The law of averages, baby. Law of averages. That's right. BP and OP and Polo. If there's one, if there's one yes in there, you have to get to ninety. Hopefully, at, at the most, ninety-nine knows before you get to that yes. But who knows? It could come on the third one. Could come on the fifth one. It could come in the seventy-sixth one. You just don't know. Just keep going. There's a yes out there, by the way. There is. So. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up here on the back porch of Franklin Bridge. As always, follow Scott on Instagram at SHCGolf. Uh, if you stuck with us this far, you're probably interested in Scott's book that's going to be coming out. So there's a GoFundMe link in his Instagram bio that you guys can uh, can go ahead and pre-order from. Immediate 10% off, if I'm hearing correctly, as well as some other freebies that are in there as well. So go follow Scott on Instagram at SHCGolf. So if you stuck with, uh, stuck with us for this long, you're probably interested in the book. And uh, we're going to wrap it up here on the back porch of Franklin Bridge. Thanks so much for watching. See you on the next one. Peace. Thanks, y'all, for listening to this episode of the Champions Playbook. As always, you can find us anywhere that you guys are. So uh, make sure to check out Scott on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the above. His Instagram is at Golf. That's two S's and two E's. So make sure to go and check out everything that he's got going on over on his Instagram page. Uh, as well as make sure you follow Franklin Bridge. Uh, Franklin Bridge puts out some great things as well, and we want to make sure that we support them because they support us. So as always... Feel free to come by the back porch of the Persimmon Pub at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays to come and listen to us talk golf. So book a late afternoon round of golf, and then afterwards, come on inside, get some food, some drinks. Uh, We got some specials going on. We had some $5 flatbread pizzas. We had some amazing chicken tacos, as well as drink specials going on all night long. So make sure to support the Persimmon Pub as well when you come out. We would love to see you guys. We do one episode and then a live Q&A and then another episode. So from 7 to 9 on Wednesdays, we hope to see you soon, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace.